1: Hey, hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton and Gregory White here with you on Supply Chain. Now, welcome to today's live stream. Hey, Greg, how you doing today? Doing quite well. Yeah. I,
0: easy with my name that my mother gave me. I think <laughs> Her quote was, she thought it would sound good, and then IBM boardroom. in <laughs> IBM boardroom once, and they did not
1: call me Gregory. <laughs> I watched a Seinfeld episode yeah. last night. Where George is dating a very formal individual and she calls Jerry Seinfeld Jerome. And it's really funny just throughout the show. So, anyway, Greg, back by popular demand, we have got, we're continuing a long running series, long running popular series, Supply Chain Today and Tomorrow with Mike Griswold from Gartner. And we are going to be talking about some critical must not miss developments across global supply chain today and time in to movies probably from the 70s 80s 90s and 2000s i bet what do you think greg uh,
0: yeah i doubt. whether i'll reach back to the 40s <laughs> yeah.
1: no all right maybe not maybe not but that uh, folks we got a great show well, there on. is
0: uh, when it what is it's a beautiful life is that it's a wonderful life is that 30s 1938 correct
1: I think you're right. with okay, so maybe it's
0: the 30s because there are some, there are some supply day happenings that can make you want to jump off the bridge.
1: <laughs>
0: you never been born.
1: Unfortunately, you are right. Little shop of horrors, little updated references, <laughs> Groundhog Day. Oh, I've got them all teed up right over yeah, here. Greg. <laughs> all right, folks, we want to hear from you, though. So we're about to have Mike join us. We're going to walk through three supply chain trends. We're going to really bake in a lot of probably movie references and folks let us know what you think. And let us know some of your trends you're identifying and some of those movies. And like Andre, Greg is back with us, holding down the fort. Yeah, again. Fact, and of course, Leah <laughs> that's right. Leah Luton with uh, the pride of Aiken, South Carolina. Great. to See you mom as always. All right. So Greg, before we bring on Mike Griswold with Gardner, right. let's do this. Let's share a couple of resources on the front end here because folks, y'all know we're on a mission to help make your lives, your jobs, your organizations, your supply chains easier. One of those ways is you can check out our weekly, almost weekly newsletter. We skip, I think, Labor Day weekend. We, our team's got to take some of those holidays off, too. So our almost weekly, with that said, LinkedIn newsletter. And here, Greg, we talked about a variety of ways you can really support the veteran community, whether they're in transition. Or they're already out in the business world. Your quick thought there, Greg. Yeah, I'm very cool. We
0: talked about that Monday at significant depth, but yeah, that's a difficult transition. So I think anything that business people could do to give vets the perspective on how uh, mm-hmm. raucous and how uh, much less organized or structured,
1: I guess, we are in, in civilian business is hugely helpful. Mm. Raucous, that's a great word, Greg. Raucous, right? Thank you for. Expanding my vocabulary for about five, ongoing five years now. I appreciate that. (laughs) All right. Also speaking of resources. And by the way, folks, our webinars are free to attend. You just got to register. Tomorrow we're hosting Paul and James. Paul's with Trace Gaines. We're talking about five steps to getting proactive with digitization. Always trip up on that word. Digitization Mm. and supply chain data at 12 noon Eastern time. Join me and Greg for that. Greg, quick blurb there. Be there. Be square. Yeah. I mean, what do we talk about all the time? Digital
0: transformation, digitization, Mm -hmm. democratization, all of the Asians. and I mean, the world is ever more connected and never more connected than when it is in supply
1: chain. So So true. All the Asians. I love that. In the 90s. (laughs) Folks, we're dropping links there so you can check out the newsletter we mentioned and the webinar. You're one click away. We try to make things easy. Easy is good. Okay, everybody. So, oh, a uh, little note here, Catherine, and big thanks to Catherine, man. behind-the-scenes: 1946 is when "It's a Wonderful Life" was released. Oh, wow! Okay, so after the war. I, yeah. I don't know why? I,
0: thought, I wonder what I am thinking of. Those thirty. Oh, Gone with Wind. That's it. Another one Money
1: of the big classics. Yeah. All right. So, stay tuned, folks. Stay tuned. We're gonna have a lot of fun. It's gonna be informative entertaining, and educational here today, as always is. So with no further ado, Greg, I want to bring in our featured guest. Once again, Mike Griswold, Vice President Analyst with Gartner. Hey, hey, Mike, how you doing? Hey, I'm hey, doing well, thanks. How's everybody doing? Doing wonderful. I just learned that I cannot sneak a drink. The swoosh is not long enough to sneak a drink. I got to get better. I like having tried to <laughs> You're on actual television show. Right, right, right. All right, so Greg and Mike, man, we got a lot to get through here today. I want to start, as we always do, with a little fun warm-up question, and we're going to celebrate what I bet is a very popular day here in the States. It's National Taco Day here in the U.S., which is kind of weird to me, because you would assume, I guess I would assume, that it would be a fall on a Tuesday. But, interestingly enough, Taco Tuesday, the phrase was actually trademarked here in the States back in 1989 by a place called Taco John's, up in where everyone thinks of, when they think of tacos, Wyoming. So that was, I guess that was a thing. So I'm going to ask Greg and Mike here, one of life's burning questions. What is your go-to when it comes to getting the best tacos on the planet or at least in your neck of the woods? So Mike, let's start with you.
2: Yeah. So not a big taco fan, believe it or not. We have a very good taco kind of area around me, but I'm not a big taco person. You know, if, if we want tacos, I actually prefer my wife makes some really good fish tacos. Okay. So I'll just head downstairs from my office and we'll have fish tacos. So, yeah.
1: Love that. All convenient. You're saying you're vertically integrated, is what you're saying, Mike. Is that right? Yes. (laughs) All right, Greg. I think, you know what? No, you always surprise me. I know we have a couple of places we love here in the Metro Atlanta area, but what is your go to, Greg?
0: Well, my favorite is Mexico City. I mean, if you want good, what we now now call in the state street tacos, mm. they just call it tacos. You get on the street. Mexico City is great for that, but Tacos del Chavo has to be number one. It's num it's one of the top uh, taco joints in America, and it's also being that it's from my house. So, wow, that's not a bad thing. Used to be served outdoors, like it should be, dumpy little shack where. You're probably safer outdoors than indoors. But now they've moved into a big old restaurant and brought the picnic tables from outside in. And uh, so you can eat there right here, Sean, which is nice. And the place is just packed.
1: Okay. That That sounds delicious. Sounds delicious. Both do. I would add, Amanda's telling me that Taco John's, the place that trademarked the name, it's big in the Midwest, Iowa and Nebraska at least. So lots of taco yeah. John's there. I <laughs> thought I was wondering if it was a chain because I've actually yeah. eaten at okay. Taco John's. Okay. It's new to me.
0: Yeah. I'm gladly trademarked Taco Tuesday. PC trademarked great tacos.
1: Right. Huh. And I'll just throw one more. So Mike says stays home. Greg shared his favorite so Nuevo Laredo here in off Chattahoochee Avenue, if I'm not mistaken, Greg, yep. crossing the Pepsi plant in Metro Atlanta is one of the places to go here in the ATL. All right. So we've got a lot to get to here today. Now that we're all starving, we're bringing back one of Mike's, (laughs) one of Mike's and all of ours, really our favorite themes, Hollywood week. So as we were talking pre-show, we're going to get Mike to share three key trends in global supply chain that can be associated with movies, TV shows, you name it. Kind of like, um, with the ongoing freight market challenges. Maybe we weave in the Stephen King classic from the 90s, Misery. Who knows? Stuff like that. We have a little fun and inform at the same time. So that does not get Greg's approval. I could tell with the shake in your head, Greg. All right. So, uh, Mike,
2: where are we starting with our first trend of the day? so i want to before we do that i want to go back real quick to okay. your veteran announcement right mm. in, the, in the beginning of this i don't have any quotes from the movie but and i think most people who've joined us over the months know i'm a big military history person 30 years ago yesterday and today was the battle of mogadishu black hawk down mm. Mm. if you get a chance to see the word 30 movies, years ago wow 30 years hard to believe isn't it but if you people out there if you get a chance see the movie, read the book. The book is better as it almost always is, mm. but it's a pretty significant event in the course of American military history. Yeah. So with, with that out of the way, let's start with this idea that we talk a lot about here around agility and resilience mm. and to some degree adaptability. And what I have is I have three movies and three quotes. The first is from Jaws. Obviously, we're going to need a bigger boat, right? <laughs> that talks about Kind of getting in the middle of the ocean and having no plan A or plan B. The other thing, as a quick side note, which I want to get to see, I don't know if anyone in our audience has seen it. Okay. I came across there is a Broadway play that is about the, the making of Jaws. It's got three characters. Robert Shaw's son plays Robert Shaw in this play. Robert Shaw okay. the quit character. And and the the premise of the play is during the filming of this, when they're out in the ocean, Bruce, the mechanical shark breaks down and it breaks down for hours. So this play is about the three of them passing time while someone tries to fix the shark. I guess they didn't get along kind of off screen. I don't think Robert Shaw cared very much for Richard Dreyfus, which I get. I don't (laughs) like him much either. But anyway, so as a side note, if anyone has seen that, let me know, because I love, I've seen snippets on YouTube. It looks fantastic. But
1: anyway, we're going to need a bigger boat. Hey, Mike, I got to throw something yes. in. And Greg hey. and I have seen this before. We had a little fun with it uh, a month or two ago. There is a, a, a neat shot, and it must be for when the big mechanical shark breaks down, because Robert Shaw is on the back of the, the prop boat, and he's either reading a book. He's got his legs crossed. He's really relaxed. And right beside him is this massive mechanical shark. <laughs> And it's just a great yeah. little scene. I don't have to go back and dig that out. But uh, yeah. Greg, I think we messed around and added your infamous hashtag startup life to that scene. Greg, right? Finding peace where no matter what's going on around you. Is that right, Greg? Right.
0: You know what else I did discover is the reason that the big great white shark in Finding Nemo is named Bruce is probably because yes, Bruce the Mechanical Shark. Yes. Yes. I just thought about that.
1: Yes. Okay. I'm just having a eureka moment and epiphany. Yeah, I mean, that, that was some
0: great movie insight. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All and right. like Catherine has found the show. The shark is broken. So, Catherine, thank you very much. Again, if anyone has seen it, uh, I'd love to hear it. It looks fantastic. So, that one's kind of a no brainer. The second one from Top Gun I feel the need for speed, right? Where everyone's talking about how do we get our supply chains faster? And then the last one from the Wizard of Oz, we're not in Kansas anymore. And I think the reason that resonated with me is our supply chains are now so much different. Mm. They don't look anything like they used to look even before the pandemic. Supply chains were starting to evolve. So when I think about this idea of agility agility and resilience, those three things came to me. Okay. So let's pause there for a second. So the
1: first trend is that agility and resilience, and, and Mike's already dropped a lot of different references there. Greg, respond to that. What comes to your mind when you think of some of those themes and movies that Mike laid out there?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, agility and resilience is what supply chain is about. I've always contended that it is not a cost-saving exercise, regardless of the way that we've it from the beginning of time. But it is instead a risk-balancing exercise. It is trying to preempt problems as much as you can and responding as quickly as you possibly can when you cannot. I always, often, quote Mike on this whole notion of rewarding the arsonist. Right. right? Where the culture of supply chain has become to kind of ignore all of the possible faults, flaws, or in a supply chain and then reward ourselves for letting it collapse and then stacking it back together. So... I think that one of the things we have to acknowledge is that we have to predict and preempt these fragilities. And that's what resiliency really is. Mm. So Can I give you a movie reference? not particular okay. to these trends, but this is um, sort of a symptom of supply chain. So my movie reference is Titanic, which is overpiped and under, under engineered technology operated with hubris and carelessness in Uh, threatening waters, dangerous waters, which we often do in supply chain.
2: Mm. That's excellent. I mean, I I think, Greg, that's a great example, because if you think about the the other message I, I think about when I think about Titanic is the kind of the conflict of goals, right? Because you have the white line or the white star line says we need to get from point A to point B as fast as we can. Right. don't really care you know what's in the water. Right. The, cap- the captain is trying to say, oh, well, he doesn't do a very good job of it, obviously. The captain is trying to say, well, wait a minute. There's some risk here. We need to slow down. We need to think about a different course. So you've got these conflicting goals, which right. everyone deals with in real life, right? You know, One person, one part of the business wants this, another part of the business wants that. That's a great example, Greg, Titanic, of those conflicting goals and what can happen if you don't find a way to work that out. Obviously, for many organizations, it's not as bad as hitting an iceberg in the Titanic, but it could be, mm-hmm. right? If, if you don't figure out how to navigate that.
0: It's the risk of losing the entirety of your carving. Hmm.
1: Yes. Excellent point. All right. So before we move on to the second trend, I think I can share this graphic. Thanks to Catherine. Cause want to go back to the play. I think it's a play. This is the shark is broken. Yes. I believe right, Mike. Yes, that, is it.
2: that All right. is it. Catherine. Thank you so much.
1: Ian Shaw, I guess is Robert Shaw's son. And I guess his partner yes. there, Joseph Nixon. So y'all check that out. And, uh, Five-star reviews from uh, The Times, Sunday Mirror, The Telegraph, you name it. So we will have to check that
2: there, out. There are snippets on YouTube. And again, I'll date myself. If anyone has seen Robert Shaw in Jaws or The Deep or the Guns of Navarone, his son looks and sounds exactly mm-hmm. like him. Mm. It's unbelievable. I guess you would expect that from a sibling uh, or a child. But yeah, it's uncanny how much he looks and sounds like his dad.
0: Mm. I wonder if he can sing farewell and adieu as well as Robert Shaw can, because that's one of my favorite songs.
1: Which one was that, Greg?
0: Farewell and adieu to you, Spanish ladies. Oh, Remember when he oh. sang
1: that? As the yes. yes.
0: Before they get hit by the shark yes.
1: also. Yes. Greg, that is a great call-out. Man, you that don't miss a idea. thing. Never. Andre says, I think resilience shines through in the movie The Revenant. Now, I'm not sure if I've seen that movie. Have y'all seen Greg, Mike? I, I my have not. Seen. It's
0: about some guy up in some godforsaken cold wasteland. <laughs> yes. <laughs> looking for somebody. I don't remember being looked for. I don't remember. All right. I think we have seen
1: it.
2: Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> as Amanda reminds us. Okay. So
1: Tom Hardy and Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay, I'll have to check that out. All right. So let's see here. Mom, Lee Luton says, no shark movie since Jaws has been so scary. The music itself was scary. Grime. I wouldn't do it.
0: So we lived in Springfield, Missouri at the time, and I wouldn't even go in the lake. We would fishing every <laughs> weekend and skiing. Yes. Lake of the Ozarks yes. and Lake, or Table Rock Lake, and I would not go in the lake for weeks after that. Yes.
1: I'm with you. I got to be able to see my toes. All right. So that's just the first trend. So I think, and I'm going to circle back to some of these other comments here in a second, but let's move to trend number two, Mike.
2: Yeah, trend number two. I think we've talked about this as well on this show. is is a redefinition that is happening around how people think about their supply chains. And Mm. I and the movies that come to mind for me, and I actually have four because something that Greg said triggered another thought. So I've got four. The first is, and we joked with Catherine. She's going to have to look all these up. So Cool Hand Luke.
0: Like what we have here is a
2: failure to communicate. Right? And I think understanding what we want our supply chains to do and the supply chains communicating what they can do, I think is huge. Casablanca, what we have here is the beginning of a beautiful friendship, right? I think more and more organizations are starting to see the value that their supply chain can bring. And So what popped into my head, Greg, when you were talking, when I think about value is uh, Jerry Maguire. showed Me the Money. Right, mm-hmm. Supply chains are now being asked to to help the uh, CEOs with things like revenue growth, entry into yeah. market, show me the money. And then with having six grandkids, I get exposed to a lot of kids' movies. For, my favorite line from the movie of Bug's Life is the number one rule of leadership, everything is your fault. <laughs> and people raise their hands right, and say, how many times have you heard it's all the supply chain's fault? Right? So we need to start to figure out how do we change that narrative a little bit. But those were the four movies that came to mind when I think about how people are redefining their supply chain. I love that. All right. Two quick
1: thoughts. I'm going to come to you, Greg. First off, I've heard that Bugs Life quote from Greg countless times over uh, our friendship one. Look. And number two, our dear friend Jenny Froom's with us. Greg singing. I am so glad I checked in. She says, <laughs> Jenny, we <laughs> love you. Great to have you. <laughs> All right. So, Greg redefinition. And, and of course, Mike just dropped some serious content on us there.
0: Yeah. I don't know what movie this is. I'm not sure what movie to tie it to, but maybe it's one with Nicole Kidman. What has been seen cannot be unseen, right? Mm. And that's, that's the thing that I think has re, really redefined the supply chain. I think for all of our kvetching about wanting more credibility and a seat at the table and that sort of thing, we didn't really know what that meant. And after what I'm going to talk about, Scott, the great toilet paper shortage of 2020, everyone knows what a supply chain is. Everyone knows what it does. And everyone knows that at some level, everyone is at fault if a supply chain fails. It's not just Target, Costco's fault. It's not just the retail facing entities for retail goods. It's everyone, right? It's Charmin, it's the paper providers, it's the um, pulp processors, whatever. So, I think that is really a really and very important thing. We keep saying, and I will disagree till the day that I die, we keep saying that supply chains are more disruptive, whatever, than they've ever been. It's absolutely untrue. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that one bit. It's just that nobody gave a damn before because nobody knew what supply chain was or did. Mm-hmm. And, and to Mike's point, it was the supply chain failed, Mike. It's your fault. End of discussion. Not what could we do about it, not what did we do to crack the fragilities that we knew existed in the supply chain, right? What unreasonable demands we put on the supply chain or lack of preparation we had in the supply chain. It was, just, it was just, it failed, end of discussion. So now that it's been seen, I think consumers, we consumers, we force companies to examine their supply chain mm. more thoroughly. And why? Because there's nowhere to hide, and more is at stake than delivering goods here. Your brand equity is at mm. stake. Think about how many companies during just after the uh, um, pandemic went down the tubes because they couldn't deliver. Right? I mean, Peloton, Peloton exploded with demand. Yeah. Right? So they shipped everything at an unsustainable cost and crushed the company. Mm. Right? I mean, those are discussions that literally my guys like mike and i have been having for decades is sure we can get it here faster and sure we can give you a hundred percent fill rate but it's going to cost more than the company before. Mm. so i think that visibility of the entire world to supply chain is the thing that that has
2: impacted it the most mm. all right mike yeah i couldn't agree more greg i i think that the part that you said around getting a seat at the table, I think what resonates the most with me, when we talk to clients, one of the things we, we try to do is when we give them advice, it's what are you signing up for if you want to take advantage of this advice? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things we as supply chain professionals, as Greg said very well, we always wanted a seat at the table, but I don't think we ever really knew what that meant. And we didn't know what we were signing up for when we decided to get a seat at the big people's table. Mm. And now that we have it, it's how do we keep it and how do we not get relegated to the perception that people had of us pre-pandemic? Because if I look at some of our research data, what we're seeing is in less performing companies, the supply Mm. chain is now starting to get moved out of that seat at the table. Mm -hmm. High-performing companies recognize what they have with a really good supply chain and they're keeping that seat at the table. So my advice to people, our advice to people when when they talk to us and we talk to them is you need to continue to demonstrate relevance. You need to continue to show the business, this is why we're here and this is the value that we can create. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do that, right, and this is a I guess the soccer reference, I don't know what it means. You're going to get relegated. And <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming it's a bad thing in soccer to get relegated. Yeah, it is. We know it's you a bad thing to get great. relegated in the supply chain.
1: Mm. So to our non-soccer fans, perhaps, if you watch baseball, getting relegated is kind of like getting pushed down from the major leagues to AAA or AA because of your performance, Greg? Not one player the entire franchise.
0: Yes. Right. good yeah, point. Yeah. If, like. Right, It'd never be like the Yankees getting moved to Triple A,
1: which this mm.
0: season is
1: <laughs> that might happen. Probably should have happened, right? All right. Man, y'all shared a ton there. I just want to add just two quick things. Cool hand Luke, one of my all time favorites. So many good scenes from that. But when he tries to eat those when he does eat those fifty boiled eggs, it makes me not want eggs for about three years. Um, and then secondly, mm-hmm. yeah, Greg, you mentioned T P. It's so interesting. I didn't know that we had a major issue across the global toilet paper market. But if y'all seen the recent announcement, I think it's Charmin. I could have that wrong. They have re-engineered how each sheet is the perforation between it. So and from what I've been reading, not experimenting with, but reading, so you can pull it and tear it easily from any angle. I didn't think that was an issue to spend a whole bunch of money on doing. But Greg and Mike, I'll defer your consumers as well. Do they is that valuable or not valuable? Y'all y'all's thoughts. Yeah, yeah, I agree. am not so. using toilet paper here. <laughs> right. No, <laughs> the the perforation changes. Well that's when you use the perforation. all right, so. well,
2: right. I'm thinking it's potentially solving a problem to your point, Scott, that I didn't know we had, because it always tears just fine for me. So <laughs> I, I didn't know there was a, a, a challenge. So in my house, as long as the this will probably start a, a short debate amongst everyone in the, in everyone's house. So as long as the toilet paper is coming over the top oh. in my house, life is good. That's the way that
0: Patty describes it, by the way. For toilet paper. Well, no.
1: Oh, gosh. But, saying,
0: that is the right
1: law. Right law. This brings... Whether it's valuable or non-valuable, this brings a whole new angle to a conversation around Muda or waste. So we will (laughs) leave it there. And (laughs) why do I have a feeling, Scott, that these are the same
0: people who can't unwrap craft singles? (laughs) That's good.
1: Great question. Great question. All right. So (laughs) let's share a couple things here. Andre wants us to imagine the disruption (laughs) when the wheel was first invented. How about that? Can you imagine how long it took to get on or catch on across the globe? Great point there. Jenny enjoys all the movie lines. A very clever Mike. Let's see. Great to see you, Muhammad. Great to see you here. And we will work through each of these. The rest of the comments here to work through this, the rest of the show. All right, Greg and Mike, really quick blur. Before we hit the third trend, Greg, again, it's all about resources. We want to share one more resource with our audience here today. Coming up on October 19th, 12 noon. Where our friends from Enable are joining us again from numbers to strategy, how finance drives data-driven supply chains. Y'all join us for that. It's free to free to attend. You just got to register. Greg should be another great show with our friends at Enable, huh? Well, you know it's a big part of the supply chain that we often sleep out, hard get paid.
0: Right? I mean, paying for the shipment, paying for the goods
1: is it's part
0: of the supply chain.
1: That's right. What so needs to go? That's right. All right. So, Mike, back to. So, by my count, the first trend, I can and I can't keep up with all the movie references, but the first trend is agility and resilience. The second one was that redefinition, which I think is a great one that's not talked about enough. And then, thirdly, what's your third trend here today?
2: So, this is one where I, I might need some help from the audience and from you guys around some quotes. I, I have one. The third trend is just to focus on people, right? When I think about where we want to go as a supply chain right we can have all the technology we want in the world at the end of the day it does come down to people it comes down to skills it comes down to relationships the hottest topic that we have right now in gardner which will not be a surprise to anyone is generative ai and that's all well and good but we still need to figure out as people you know how are we going to use that Mm. so the quote that i found and i frankly Never read the books. Haven't seen any of the movies. It's from the Fellowship of the Rings, which basically basically said the quote is: "Even the smallest of people can change the course of the future." And when I saw that quote, it really resonated with me. When I, because part of my team that I manage looks after supply chain talent, and when I think about how we think about our people, yeah, I think it's very easy for us to kind of gloss over certain positions within our organizations. And I think this quote really resonated with me from the standpoint that you never know where the next great idea is going to come from in your organizations. You never know what role or team is going to play a critical role in the success of your supply chain, right? I mean, Craig and I have a soft spot for demand planners, right? It it could be an individual forecaster. Or an individual demand planner that is that is demand planning for a critical skew or component within your portfolio. You just never know, and I think it's important that organizations canvass their organizations looking for those types of up uh, uh, and coming performance and future leaders because you never know where they're going to come from. So that was one. And then as I was thinking about when you were kind of transitioning this section. One of my all-time favorite movies, my wife and I have this debate every time it's on TV is Saving Private Ryan. It lost the best picture Oscar to Shakespeare in Love. We have this huge debate all every time Shakespeare and Love is on. oh it won the best Oscar. No, no, it shouldn't have. whatever it you is. Know. <laughs> but, the, but there, there there's a line in that in that in Saving Private Ryan, where they're kind of as a group trying to figure out the the value, of expending all of this energy to find one person. Mm. And there's an interaction where the individual members of platoon are all griping about the energy they're expending to find one person. And there's this dialogue around basically how do you complain, right? Soldiers can complain up. uh, Officers never complain down. Mm. And I think not that I'm talking about complaining, but this idea of feedback how do you give feedback? How do you give constructive feedback in an organization, I think is another element to this idea of people. And I think if you look at highly successful organizations, one of the things they figured out is how do they talk to each other relative to constructive feedback.
1: Hmm. Excellent point, Mike. I tell you, it can be challenging. I think all of us. I know I've had plenty of challenges leaning into that constructive feedback, but that's one of Best ways to get better. Greg, weigh in on his third trend of that focus on the people.
0: Well, I mean, I think of it, <laughs> this isn't really movie line, but out of the mouth of the bays, one of the things that I think we should relish in business generally, the supply chain definitely, is this notion of the blessing of naivete of someone who doesn't know any better saying, why don't we do it this way? That is oh so powerful because I can't mm-hmm. tell you the number of times I've seen or heard it myself, where somebody says, well, why don't we do this? And you think, well, I've been doing it for 25 years the other way. I never even thought about doing that. Right? And of course we could do that. So I think that notion of it enabling people regardless of what their stature, their tenure, their you know um, position is, is really important. Think about how many times you've I mean, you might have been standing in a store or a where, and got a great idea from the stocking clerk or the forklift driver or right or a receiving clerk or whatever the guy who sweeps the floors, right? Okay, there's a good movie reference for you, right? Which is, I don't want I don't want to do the one I want to do, which is, hey mother. <laughs> 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 Bubba, it's Bubba, isn't it? Definitely um, No, it's the notion of walking through a NASA warehouse and asking the person who's sweeping, sweeping the floor, what's your job here? And that person says, my job is to put a man on the moon. So I think that's everyone's job. And everyone has some insight to putting a man on the moon or products into motion or service levels to a higher level, whatever it is. So I think that's one of the things we definitely have to do is open the door because we have so many naive people coming into the workforce. They know nothing about the workforce. And we had so many people who held all of the knowledge in their heads that we never captured, right? This great resignation was virtually all baby boomers Mm. and so much of what they knew was never captured. And now we have people who know nothing literally in many cases about supply chain or even how to undertake a job because we're introducing so many people to the workforce. now. Mm. But still, there is
1: wisdom in that now. And I think Mm. it's important to enable the ability to capture. Excellent point. Excellent point. And Mike, going back to how you kind of opened it, I love that quote. Now I'm not going to get it right, but basically anybody, anywhere can impact the future, no matter where they are, where they work how much experience. To your point, Greg, what they've done, i really a really big believer in that. And you know what? Going back to Jenny's point, this is why conversations around DEI are so important. I'm with you. You want to bring everybody into the room to have the conversations because we all look at the problem, the opportunity a lot different just based on what our walk of life has been. So love your thorough one of the focus on the people. One other thing from Jenny, really quick, and I may not, we're covering up Mike a little too much here. I want to share this. Jenny, really. says, <laughs> Jenny says she got this thing from Dr. Faith Michelle. might be Michelle Lee, but Michelle, this acronym BANI, B-A-N-I. We're living in a BANI world, brittle, anxious, nonlinear, incomprehensible. And she says, I'm sure it's well-known and maybe I just listened for once, but that and Buka, B-U-C-A, yeah. which we've talked about before, pretty much makes supply chain professional jobs pretty tricky. Okay. So Mike and Greg. We uh, are going to get, as we start to wrap here with Mike, one of my favorite questions we've been asking in the last few months is one Eureka moment. And you've probably, you've shared a few already, but one what's one Eureka moment? Glean from your conversations, your, those kind of confidential sidebar conversations with business leaders over
2: the last month that you think would really intrigue folks here today. Yeah, I think there's just a continued emphasis on, diversification of people's manufacturing strategies, right? I think we've, we've talked in the past year, we have a lot of research on this idea of China plus one. Now I think people are are trying to kind of maybe replace China with somebody else and a plus one. You know, I think the the challenge with that, and Greg, we, we've spoken this, about this collectively numerous times, mm. is there's been so much investment In what I would call infrastructure in interacting with China, that it's very hard to just unplug that and Mm. plug that in someplace else. I think people are looking and trying to explore how to do that. I think they're looking to find, we talked a little bit about this, I think, last month with some of the semiconductor work that's going on and some of the movement of facilities. But I think it's it really comes down to where can you do that that already has some underlying infrastructure to support you and can you get an advantage about being in some of these new markets first Mm -hmm. so that you have kind of the first access to what in some of these countries is going to be a limited infrastructure in terms of how much new stuff they can support so i think the 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 topic that i would share is, is just the continuation around diversification and being very mindful and having a strategy around that, right? I think there was a lot of knee-jerk reaction that said, hey, we're going to get out of China. But again, to our earlier conversation, what does that really mean, right? What are you signing up for if that's your strategy? And I think there, there's still a lot of work to be done around that diversification strategy.
1: Well said, Mike, and completely agree at knee-jerk reaction. Greg, I don't know if you remember, right when the pandemic hit the States, and fully throated, right? March 2019, I think it was, right after um, MODEX, I think. If you remember, Greg, we were getting reached out to some folks that right there, they are ready to pull everything back to the states, not taking into account a lot of things you just shared there, Mike, about just the sheer reality and some of the constraints and this, that, and the other. But Greg, react to what Mike shared there.
0: Yeah, I think we've seen a lot of near storing and reshoring, whatever you want to call it, reinshoring. Over the course of course in the last several years and we talked with enrique vector who does whose business in mexico is booming because right. of it, right and he's he sees a lot booming there but it's a very difficult proposition because china is the largest workforce on the planet by an order of magnitude mm-hmm. right and additionally they are both culturally and politically compelled to be very very thorough, hardworking, structured people, All right. I mean, this is a, this, let's think about this. This is a culture. It built one of the largest armies in the world mm-hmm. out of play, not people, out of play to honor one emperor. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is a very driven culture and you can't duplicate that on any one place. And I would argue there are be the entire continents where you can't duplicate that. Mm-hmm. Sure, can't do it in North America. Mm. I mean, certainly not for the price. It's a very difficult proposition. And as if we haven't had enough inflation already, just try doing. I mean, UAW is is showing us every reason why people don't want to bring labor back to the United right. States. Right? Yep. It's going to be a very, very difficult proposition. And I think that's something that we have to look out for is I don't know the way, it's not to say that I haven't heard the way, but this is where we could use some of that, that blessing of naivete is, hey, what if we did X? Yeah, Because a lot of what we've talked about is automation. But guess where 95% of all of the materials that are required for automation come from? Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, wow. it's a catch-22, but we have to put some really good heads around that to figure out how to tackle that. Mm-hmm. But we can't do it, I think, to Mike, to your point, it has to be a series of moderations, not a series of right.
1: Yeah. All right. More to come. I wish we had a couple more hours with the two of y'all and, of course, all the folks in the cheap seats. But, Mike, before we let you go, let's make sure you tell us what's coming up next at Gartner.
2: Yeah, two two big events. For anyone that is watching or going to watch, if you're interested in planning in any level, we have two planning summits. One at the end of this month in London, one the end of the month in November in Phoenix. I'll actually be there. If people want to come up and say hi and get together, just let me know. Um, but if it's all things planning, whether you own a planning team or whether you are a demand planner, whether you're a technology person with systems questions, or even a sponsor, potential sponsor who sells planning solutions, it's we launched this just before the pandemic. We had a planning summit in Denver. It was wildly successful. Pandemic hit. We we shut all that stuff down. So we've restarted them this year. Attendance is already ahead of schedule at both events. So anyone that's interested, you know, please consider joining us in uh, in October in London. Can't guarantee the weather there. November in Phoenix, there's probably not too many places better than being in Phoenix in November. Mm. All right. And to that end, if folks want to
1: check out information on those events, or if they want to connect with you, the one and only Mike Griswold,
2: how can folks connect with you, Mike? LinkedIn, or just send me an email, mike.griswold.garner.com. Enjoy the conversations.
1: It is just that easy. All right. So Greg, one of our favorite guests, long running series, very popular series. We get a lot of feedback on we just wrapped the latest episode. Mike, thank you for your time. Really enjoyed you and Greg's banner each month on the first Wednesday of each month at 12 the Eastern time. Greg, another great episode before we let Mike go, huh? Yeah, I love it. I mean, you know, someone who's been there, done that, Mike, and,
0: and who's still so tapped into so many of the people doing the doodle
1: every single day. So mm-hmm. that, I live for that Eureka moment at the end of these episodes, man. Thank you for being Well said. Uh, usually, the smartest person in the room, Mike Griswold, Vice President oh. Analyst okay. with Gardner. Mike, always a pleasure. We will talk with you soon. Sounds good. Come Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. All right, Greg. They, production, Catherine and Amanda, they got to be quick on the swoosh there because when Mike's done, he is out, right? He's got a busy schedule. So we've it's been neat to have him on once a month for, what, we've been three and a half years now? Is it that long? Wow. Sounds about right. But I'm with you, Jenny. I should have shared this before Mike. Mike Griswold, you always bring such great insights to the show. I agree. Uh, Getting him and Greg together, outstanding. Andre says 300 million people working 9 to 10 hours a day. Very hard to beat China. Good point there. And uh, also, don't forget, folks, we dropped in the links. You're one click away from checking out the webinars, newsletters. We try to make it easy. All right, before we wrap, Greg, I want to circle back on one point around, what was it? A naivete. I said it right. Naivete. Close. It's good to have that naivete in meetings. I just wish that they haven't cornered a market naivete in Washington, D.C., right? We need it in doses, not in mass. Would you agree, Greg?
0: Yeah, it's not naivete in in D.C. <laughs> it's cognitive dissonance. And yeah. That's uh, what, what it is. is. So they know <laughs> what we're doing.
1: Okay. All right. All right. So, Greg, before you wrap, we've covered a lot of ground here today. I had some fun doing it while talking about some really serious, meaty supply chain topics, you name it. What was one thing that you want to point out, Greg, that out of everything we talked about or what Greg, what Mike shared, you name it, what's one thing you think folks should take away from this conversation?
0: I think it's that resiliency and agility is the business of supply chain. It is the business of assuring. Preempting and assuring that your goods, that your brand promise, that your brand equity and identity get to market in the means in which you desire. And that you, to whatever extent you can, you predict and preempt the problems you can see coming, or at least the outcomes of problems Mm -hmm. that could hit you. And and you respond and recover quickly. Mm -hmm. Because all that's at stake is your entire business.
1: That's all at stake. Love that, Greg. And enjoyed your the Titanic reference on the front end. That was one of my favorite ones because you know, it's dangerous to be building and engineering with hubris. I said that word right, right? All right. One other point I want to call out. So Jessica De is a, a dear friend. She joined me on the show a year or so ago. Folks, Jessica loves teaching. And that passion came out by the truckload when she joined us. So Jessica, great to have you here. And thanks for your comment here. Interesting insights on the talent landscape, the multi generational workforce, and the BANI acronym. I agree, Jessica. And uh, may we all have the good fortune of learning from folks that love to teach and are good at it. Jessica, Greg, do you remember one of your favorite passionate and talented teachers? What's, what's the first teacher that comes to mind when you think of someone that you would just loved to learn from?
0: Holly Wells, my English teacher in ninth grade. Yeah. yeah. Love that. She used to say things, first of all, she was a great teacher, just an exceptional teacher. And she used to say things like, when you would do something stupid, trying to be cool in class, she would say things like, how oh, embarrassing
1: for you. Oh, man, I'm about to use that one. Right. right the parenting realm. We'll see. Right. Right. How Poly, embarrassing for you. Polly Welsh. I just Polly Welsh. Is that right? Yeah. Polly Welsh. Awesome. Love that.
0: Didn't, well, allow, didn't allow you to chew gum in class, which was a problem in the 80s, Now, for maybe these
1: days. You know, <laughs>
0: cell phone. through the desk, get the teacher,
1: sure. Right. Gum in class. Right. Man. And I'll just counter that with Gloria Marks. I've talked about her today. I, I was fortunate to have tons of wonderful, wonderful teachers, but Gloria Marks, she was a master at storytelling, and it really sticks out from third grade English to this day. All right, folks, hopefully you enjoyed this wide ranging episode as much as Greg and I have. Mike always brings it and then Greg always brings it. So made for quite the You last always bring it um, for us. We try Hollywood Week for this month's edition of uh, Supply Chain Today and Tomorrow with Mike Griswold from Gartner. So folks, whatever you do, hey, take a nugget because there's lots of practical nuggets that Greg and Mike shared here and including folks in the comments, take a nugget, put, put it in action. Deeds, not words. That's the name of the game. On behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luden challenging you to do good